Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. We've been away for a while, but finally we're back with Alistair back from his month-long holiday. Did you have a good time? <laughs> uh, yes, I did, thank you. It wasn't a month. Um, <laughs> it does feel like that now, yes, of course. This is actually my first full day in the UK for a, a long time um, because of the madness of uh, recent times. But yeah, no, back, all good. I'm ready to talk about Tottenham. It's typical we'll return to have a match that isn't actually that great to talk about, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Yeah, we've got a defeat to talk about for the first time this season. What's a defeat? Obviously, there was one on there Tuesday against Sporting CP. They won 2-0, two stoppage time goals from Polinio and Arthur. Uh, I mean, not a good day for Tottenham in Lisbon at all. Ali, you were at the stadium. Do you want to just give us your thoughts, first of all, on the game? Yeah, it should have been so much different. It really should have, because Sporting weren't that great. Technically, of course, they're a very good team. Most Portuguese sides are. Um, played the ball around nicely. But ultimately, I think the whole game plan, even before the match, um, I think it was Ruben Amarin, Amarin was saying that he expected Spurs to give them a lot of possession and that you know Spurs would do their classic, we're going to not get you on the counter. But it didn't really work out like that. If anything, Sporting was sitting back and ready to counter. Um I don't know whether maybe that didn't play into Spurs' hands as well as it normally would if they were the team that was kind of having to, well, act like the visiting team, I guess. Um, yeah, it it wasn't great. They created chances, of course. It wasn't the... I think that's the first thing we have to say. I think... I don't want to say people are going overboard, but it is the first defeat. And yes, I know some of the underlying problems did come out in this match. But I do think on another day if it hadn't maybe been Emerson Royale on the end of three decent chances, maybe we're talking about a completely different result. Richarlison obviously had a couple of chances as well. Um, but you, I think ultimately you just can't afford to have that many players off their game and still win a match. And I think that was the key, really. Yeah. I didn't think they played that badly. I just think the perception's different because the lost in stoppage time, whereas if they managed to hold on, you're thinking, yeah, decent point. Didn't play particularly well, but managed to get a point and a point could potentially help them go through uh, the end of the group stage come the start of November. But just because the loss, I think that just changes people's perception, really. Uh, for me, they created a few openings, as you were saying, probably fell to the wrong man in Emerson Royale. Uh, and if the roles were reversed, pretty much, you'd be thinking Spurs would be scoring because it was Harry Kane who set Emerson up for both. And... Credit to Emerson for obviously getting in a good position. He does have that ability, doesn't he? He actually, his movement is really good. It's just what comes next. Yeah, and I mean, that's what Conte's always told his wing-backs, that when the ball's on the opposite flank, they need to be in at the back post to try and get on the end of the ball. And Emerson's been able to do that, but it's just the final bit of play what's lacking, unfortunately. And, you know, maybe if that was Matt Doherty on the end of one of them, the volley, when Kane played that really quick free kick... Maybe uh, he would have scored, but I think there was... Or Jed Spence. Jed's got to be in the team, though, aren't they? <laughs> Just throwing that name in there. Yeah. Just throwing it in yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, there were other openings. Richarlison, how many times was he offside in the first yeah. half? It was about three times. He did take his goal well, what was disallowed when he mm. rounded the keeper. And then second half, there was that one when Ivan uh, Persic put in that really, really good oh, ball across the face of goal. And yeah. Harry Kane just couldn't get on the end of it. 
there. So yeah, Kane just, had a shot as well that was parried, wasn't it? I remember that one. That was early second half, I think. Yeah. So th- they did have chances. Yeah, and on another day, uh, they might have taken them. But for me, I think this result's been coming this season. Uh, I think, obviously, they've been maybe getting away with it in some games where they've not been playing well. Chelsea, I mean, probably should have lost that game, given the amount of Chelsea, uh, chances Chelsea had. Yep. Uh, West Ham could have won it at the London Stadium at the end of August. And it's only really, probably for 60 minutes against Southampton when they've been really on it and then at Fulham for quite a bit of the game probably not all the 90 minutes but for the large part of that they were good uh, and I think the the luck just finally ran out on Tuesday in Lisbon yeah yeah I think that's fair I think like I say the underlying problems have kind of been sitting there haven't they and obviously we know Sonny hasn't been in the greatest of form his confidence looks low I think you can probably I don't want to say carry someone like Son but you know with Son that he's still going to be there in big moments, whether it's, you know, um, earning the red card um, against Marseille, um, you know, to, to, to give um, Spurs a numerical advantage. That was his run, obviously, that brought that. And little moments where he kind of creates something. But I just don't think you can afford to have, like Harry Kane had a poor day, I felt, as well, against Sporting. I think when you've got the two of them not on it, and you've got Richarlison, who works incredibly hard, he's very skillful, but I wouldn't say he's a creator, we can only come back to that man, Deki, Dejan Kulisevsky. I don't know about you, but I still can't understand how he's been on the bench three times in a row. No, uh, I think you mentioned it in your talking points. It's like, it's not rotation now. It's like basically you've been dropped. Yeah. Rotation's one game, two games probably exactly. max. Three games, it's too many. And he made the big impact off the bench against Marseille. Spurs look much better for having him in the team and... I mean, he pretty much did that against Lisbon as well. He had that really good run down the right wing when he cut inside and won the free kick and then he put in the cross uh, not long after what Richarlison headed wide. Yeah. Uh, so he's had an impact. I just think he's that good. He he makes Tottenham tick, really. He's just a creative force and it's just noticeable when he's not in the team because, yeah, Harry Kane can provide goals and assists like he has done on a regular basis. But that can't just be on his shoulders all the time. It needs someone else. And yeah, Rich Allison's not going to be someone who's going to be creating chances uh, regularly. Uh, so yeah, for me, he needs to be back in the team. Speaking of the team, what did you make of Conte's team selection? Because it was just the one change. Maybe it would have been different if last Saturday's game against Man City was on. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much admitted that before the game that the City game being postponed, he'd kind of changed his plans a bit. It would have been a more rotated week, I think. Um, it's probably, well, it's the team I predicted. So it makes me, I was going to say it makes me look good, but it doesn't because it was a team that lost. So it doesn't really make me look good at all. Um, I kind of understand bringing Ben Davies back in. I think he hadn't really done anything wrong to be out of the team, although did Clement Long, they did do well in both his appearances. Um yeah, Son was probably the surprise because of the way Conte spoke pre-match about not being worried about rotating him and, and that no one's play should be guaranteed and changing the mentality of the club and he played him anyway, which all kind of seemed a little bit hollow. But maybe we'll see against Leicester. I think I think there'll have to be changes against Leicester. Um, it was a t- Let's be honest, it's a team that should have done the job. It's as simple as that. It's a team that is enough quality in that team. Ruben Amarin said it before, you know, if Spurs play with the quality they've got, we don't have a chance. 
and they didn't. And then that was why they did have a chance, and they absolutely grabbed it, and fair play to them. Um, yeah, I think I think it was more for me, probably substitutions. I think that's where Amarin won it. Obviously, both his subs scored the goals in added time, whereas Conte... Ooh, I'm a little bit worried about the way he looks at his bench right now. It's like it feels like last season. Yeah, he's like looking there, and you know the go-to substitution will be the fourth striker, whoever the one that isn't. Then obviously it's been Kudelski last three games, but you just kind of feel like after that, if Lucas is injured, where does he turn? And that's not good after a transfer window where you've brought six players in and a seventh obviously will come next year, um, and that he's raved about the options he's had and. Uh, Obviously, he wanted more. We know he wanted more. All managers want more. But still, I don't know. That just, just worries me slightly. The look on his face when he turns around. And even at the end, he brought uh, Sessegnon and Matt Doherty came to the touchline. He called them back from the warm-up, ready to come on. But then uh, Sporting scored that first goal, Palino's header. And he just told him to go and sit down again. It's like, I don't get what's changed. You're still chasing the goal. And that was what they were both coming on to, was to add a bit fresh kind of attacking impetus down the, the flanks. And he just kind of, I don't know, he almost gave up and maybe that translated to the pitch. And that's why you saw Romero and Emerson essentially just walking around, not really doing anything and trying to tackle at the end. Um, it was a funny game. It was a really funny game. It was one of those where I felt there were moments when the game started. I thought Spurs started brightly. I thought second half they started brightly again, created chances. But then, they, I don't know, they just almost go into this autopilot mode sometimes. And, um, well, I know Conte was very unhappy afterwards, but I do think he's got to shoulder a little bit of the blame for this one as well. Yeah, just going back to the substitutions, it was just the one with Kulisevsky coming on. Uh, it was a 70th minute again. Mm. Is he leaving it a bit too late then? Because, I mean, it's going to take a player a good five to ten minutes to get into the game. First of all, uh, I think it should have been early, and I think a lot of Tottenham fans will agree, and... If Lucas Moura was on the bench, then I think we probably would have seen him coming mm. on. But then what does that say to Brian Hill if he's not really a viable option to bring on? I, I'm not sure Brian Hill exists, quite frankly. I don't think <laughs> Conte doesn't even name him. When he talks, I've got four great attacking options. It's like, you can just imagine Brian Hill at the back going, hello, <laughs> I'm here. It's just really weird. I just feel so sorry for him. He wanted to go. They didn't let him go because they couldn't really get a replacement. I'm sure they could have got a replacement. You know, just I don't know. I just I just find it mind boggling. And he's a very talented young player as well. And he is. But there you go. I'm not gonna go on a Brian Hill rant in this one. Um it's hard enough to say his surname uh, without spitting on the microphone. But um yeah, it's uh subs were strange. I mean look, I don't wanna I don't wanna make this an Emerson Royale bashing podcast thing, but We've said this a billion times, and there's some. I know there's some Emerson Royale. What do we call them? Loyalist fans. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what the Emerson fan base is called. Um, but they get very angry when you kind of mention his shortcomings. But unfortunately, they keep coming to the surface, and that's the problem. Is that he is a guy we know all of his talents. We know he's quite good defensively. We know he's got high energy. Um, he is actually quite skillful as well when he's on the ball. Um, and as we said earlier, his movement's superb, and he gets into these great positions. It's all the other stuff, though, unfortunately, and it's all the other stuff which is key for a Conte wingback. And unfortunately, it's like putting a square peg into a round hole. It just doesn't really work. And 
yeah, I'd say against in I don't know matches against the likes of Man City, Liverpool, things like that. I think Emerson is is great for that role because you probably need a more defensive minded player, almost not a wing back. But when you're going to a place like Sporting and you need the attacks to come down that right hand side, they just you know might as well put a gravestone down the right hand side because everything died down that right hand side with the the terms of the attacks because it just I don't know what. He, I don't, I don't want to. That's the thing. I don't want to be unkind to him because it's not like he's a bad footballer in any way, shape, or form. He's not someone, you know. He's not some kind of clogger that shouldn't be in a Premier League team or anything like that. He's a very solid, good uh, Premier League fullback. But if you want someone to attack that back post, you want someone to get in there and put in a dangerous cross. I just feel like even Perisic's arrival has only heightened the gulf between what you want on the left and the right. Um, and it just doesn't look good for, for Emerson in that respect. But, again, another Conte decision. He keeps playing him. Um, and I think he's putting him also in that spotlight as well. And that you've got Matt Doherty. I think there's some issues there with his knee. The, the fact that he's not bringing him in much, I think, suggests that he's still not quite there yet. Um, and there's that man, Jed Spence, who I don't get it. And I think the fans are starting to get a bit irritated by it because... He ticks every box for a Conte wing-back. Yes, he's inexperienced, although I would caveat that with some of his best performances last season for Forrest were against Premier League teams in the FA Cup, so he can play against top-flight teams. He just, you know, Spurs scouted him, Paratici went and watched him a number of times because they felt he was perfect for Conte. And I just hope, I really hope, that we're not seeing Conte kind of making a bit of a stand, a statement, being a bit stubborn and just saying, oh, you know, I didn't choose him. He's not mine kind of thing. Because I think the moment that Jed Spence gets a chance, I think he's going to show him otherwise. And maybe, I don't, I don't think he'd be that stubborn. I'm sure, I'm sure he wouldn't be that stubborn. And maybe we don't see what happens in training. Maybe in training he's not happy with him taking on the amount of information. I don't know what it is, but... You can't tell me that having watched recent games that Jed Spence wouldn't have been a better option. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Conte was asked about Spence a few weeks ago mm. in one of the press conferences. Um, what he was saying was, he's clearly impressed with what he's seen from him on the training pitch because he's, he's seen a lot of desire from him and will. So he's clearly catching his eye. And then He said that about Brian Hill, though, before he... Yeah. Just after he'd gone. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Mm. Uh, the following week, given Conte's said he's going to rotate his team, I asked him, I think it was ahead of the Fulham game, since you're going to rotate your teams and what you said about Spencer previous week, is he in a position to play? And basically what he's saying is, no, he is one for the future, the same as Brian Hill, the same as Pape Matasar. But I'm in agreement with you, I think, once he's in the team he will show you why, basically, he should he should have been in the team maybe in the first place. And when he came on against Forrest, he almost scored. He, he, had, a, really? uh, he had a chance. Uh, this was in stoppage time. Mm. And then Conte would just shout at him, get back, get back, get back. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of Emerson, for me, he's been in the team on merit for me this season. I think he's performed well when they've seen him defensively. He's done okay going forward as well. Uh, I think he's got an assist uh, for Kulisevsky's goal against Southampton. But it's Is that his second assist since he came to Spurs? <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's something like that, yeah. But he has 
I think he's got better in the final third, but he's still not enough for that system to fully flourish. I think there's so much of an onus on the wing-backs to be so creative in the team now because they're not really getting that from the central midfielders because mm. there's not really an attack-minded midfielder in there. And no, they're workhorses, aren't they, yeah. the midfielders? You're getting it from the left. Perisic contributed with three assists. Sessignon's got a goal. Perhaps unlucky not to have a goal and a couple of assists against, uh, against Fulham. On the right, it's just a different story. Emerson is getting in the positions, but he's just not. It's the final action. What I would say in his in his kind of plus side, um, I think he does work quite well with Kulusevski. Yeah. I think, and again, this is going to sound like it's a negative, and it's not meant to be, but he knows the moments just to give the ball to Kulusevski. So there'll be points when he'll get to the touchline, but then he'll just pull it back for Kulusevski, and I think that works quite well. Although I'm pretty sure Doherty and Kulusevski were forming a quite a good kind of partnership yeah, as well. So, yeah, I I think if that's I don't know. You can't guess Conte and his wing-backs at the moment, but if someone else gets a chance against Leicester, I think we'll see something different. Because I just think Spurs are so predictable because you know everything's going to come down the left. Uh, and especially if you're not putting Kulusevski on there as well. Because at least with Kulusevski, you know he's going to sling in crosses from the right as well. But right now, nothing comes down the right-hand side. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just It's one of those... I. Conte's a terrific manager and he does a lot of really good things, but I just wonder whether that's becoming a little blind spot or not. There may be other issues at hand, but from the outside, it looks like it's a little blind spot for him. Yeah. In fairness to Emerson, he's not an attack-minded fullback. No. Oh, it's not his fault. No. no. It's only what since last November when he has had to play as a wing-back. So he's trying to adapt to a new country, still young, trying to adapt to Conte's ways. Matt Doherty, Jed Spence are attack-minded fullbacks, so they are going to, you know, create and score. Emerson, he's still trying to get to grips with that position. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. But for me, I think you definitely need to change it for Saturday against Leicester, not just because of what went wrong for him in the final third, but just in terms of rotation, because it's only been one change the past few games. Uh, right, before we get on to another bit about sporting, is it's only going to be a really short podcast today as we've got something special lined up for Sunday. Ali is sponsored by NordVPN. Do you want to just go through the benefits of using them? I can, and I can even speak for that for more recent personal experience as well because it was very helpful using NordVPN out in Lisbon uh, because in the press box in Lisbon we didn't have uh, replay screens which can be a bit of a disaster. Sometimes people are like, oh, but you're there, you see it all. It's very high up at the Lisbon Stadium. So we were. Um, I was very thankful that I managed to use NordVPN because one of the beauty, um, one of the things about NordVPN is it, it's kind of twofold. One, there's a security thing. It's very good for making sure nobody can kind of get into your phone, tablet, laptop, whatever it is you're using it for. But also the flip side of it is being able to essentially change your location where you are. And I know a lot of people out there have, have used that to be able to access their, whatever it might be, something they stream uh, normally in the UK, and then when they're abroad they can can use it, and, and sometimes some people can subscribe to stuff in other countries and they can do it the, the reverse of that. But for me, I was able to uh, watch the game for which I'd paid for the subscription on BT back at home. I was able to watch that on my phone as my replay screen because I was doing it through NordVPN and it was really, really helpful. Um, 
yeah, it's a very, very clever piece of software. It's helped me in the past as well. Um, and yeah, and I think you've got a special offer for it as well, haven't you? I do. You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus free threat protection plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Now, going back to sporting, as I touched on earlier, the midfield, it's just not progressive enough in terms of the passing, getting it forward quick enough. What did you make of the performance of Rodrigo Benson Kerr, Pierre-Emil Hoibieg against Sporting? Meh. <laughs> That's probably the word I'd use. It was okay. You know, it's... I still feel... I think a lot of people maybe get slightly hung up on the fact that one of them isn't a, I don't know, an Ericsson type or something like that. Because I do think, if I'm Conte, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, well, uh, what, you've got wing-backs, three up front. You've got five players on that pitch that really should be doing all the creative job anyway. And it's a job of one of those two central midfielders to come up and support them, really. So... I don't know. I think do I do think people may go slightly overboard in the fact that these are two kind of workhorse uh, midfielders. But I'd, I'd say both of them contribute in other ways. I think Hoybier definitely this season we've seen a lot more from an attacking sense. But in terms of yeah, it wasn't great. Um, although I would say it was a, it was an interesting one. We were all kind of watching the game and we felt that Spurs had dominated a lot of possession in the first half and then we saw the stats and actually Sporting had a bit more of it. Whether that's just purely because they were playing around the back line a bit more, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's... it's Hoybier and Benteke is a, an interesting partnership. When it works, it works really well. And when it doesn't, it can look a very bland pairing. Um, I think the key now because he's going to have to, because we know after this international break, the fixtures go absolutely mad. So I think he has to start rotating Basuma and Skip in there as well. I mean, we get the impression that Basuma is going to be um, uh, Benson Coors kind of alternate and that Skip's going to be Hoybier. Certainly looking at the way he was using them in pre-season, that seems to be the idea. Um, it could change. Maybe training will have changed his mind, but... I'd hope we see at least one of those two players come in at less against Leicester um, because otherwise you're in this position where you can talk all you like about rotation and having a squad strength and depth and all that. But if they're coming in on the odd game, um, they're going to be out of rhythm. And, you know, people like, like Harry Winks got a lot of flack, um, as he always did for the last couple of seasons. But mostly he was being chucked in there once every 10, 12, 15 games on the whole. Um, and no player really is going to come in and do well. So I think that's the key now. Basuma's class. We know his class. He's been one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. Um, and I feel you've kind of almost got to unleash him at some point, haven't you? You've got to kind of um, let him get any ring rust off of him as well. And uh, I think he'll offer something slightly different to those two options as well. Um, and, you know, people know my feelings on Oliver Skip as well. So I'd like to see kind of what he's going to do. I know the club's very excited kind of how he's progressing as well and, and looking good after the injury as well. So... Yeah, yeah, it, it's a funny partnership. Benton Kerr, for me, he can sometimes he can look like a real Rolls-Royce of a player and he can look superb. And in other parts of the game, he can go missing a bit. And there was always a thing in Italy that maybe he played better in a three. Um, and I'm surprised that Conte's never really looked at that system. Or he has occasionally, but we haven't seen much of it because I wonder whether the players he's got suits that, whether you... We talk about, you know... Um, Kulusevsky even saying in pre-season he's a number 10 that's his favourite position 
maybe Kulisic could sit at the top of a kind of a midfield three and do do what Ericsson did uh, for Conte Inter. But um, yeah, I'm not the manager, so uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think there needs to be a bit of a change, and a lot of Spurs fans are probably thinking that definitely needs to be a change just to have another attacking player in. But there isn't an attack-minded player, central midfielder in the squad like an Ericsson, because obviously they didn't go out and buy one. But Or a La Celso or a Tongi. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but to have Basuma offers something different, I think, to the two currently in. He's obviously really good on the ball, good dribbler. When he gets it, he always looks to get it forward. And he drives forward as well. Yeah, he? just yeah. to link up the midfield and attack really quickly. I think he'd offer something uh, a lot different and I'm hoping he's in the team against Leicester. He's only started the one game for Spurs so far and that was against West Ham. He struggled in that one, in all fairness. Didn't have a good game, but I think what probably hampered him was it was on the yellow card from 20 minutes onwards and he's just... After that, you're just walking the tightrope and you just know one more tackle and potentially uh, you could be off. But with Basuma, I don't think... I think it's the same for all new signs. They're not going to come in and just instantly from the first game be at it and at the top of the game. You need to give him a bit of time. But Basuma needs more time on the pitch than what he's been getting. I think it's literally been five minutes at the end of games. I think he got 10 minutes at Chelsea maybe or another game around that period. Yeah, he's coming on late, wasn't he? Yeah. But he's literally coming on for minutes and, you know, that's just not no good for him at the moment. So, yeah, there needs to be a change and hopefully Basuma will be uh, coming into the team and it'd be nice to see Oliver skip. I don't think he'll be one starting yet just because in terms of match fitness, he's not played since Sevilla, second game in South Korea. Yeah, yeah, it was ages ago, wasn't it? And I don't think he probably chances changing both of them that's a very new partnership to throw together isn't it I think um, yeah I, I'm just intrigued to see because we've, we've got the press conference after this I'm going to head off to and I'm intrigued to see what Conte is like because he was very calm in the press conference after the game but from what I understand he was anything but calm kind of behind the scenes he was raging um, and Kulisevsky came through the mix zone and said he didn't even see him after the game he's like he left them all in there stewing essentially and didn't talk to them and then, yeah, the flight back, I'm told, was like almost silence. There's nobody really talking at all. They're all, let it all sink in. And then um, I think they stayed at the lodge and then training. There was a fear, from what I'm told, among some of the players that he was going to get them training like ridiculously early. Um, but as it was, he got them training at 11 o'clock, which would be normal for a normal day. But there are some suggestions that normally after an away game um, in Europe, they wouldn't train until the afternoon. So it sounds like he's not even let him have that morning off and he's got him straight in there. Um, there will be some harsh analysis having gone on as well. Um, or maybe not so harsh, but just good analysis. Um, so yeah, I'm intrigued to see what he says today because it was a strange press conference as well. It was one of those where I asked the opening question, you know, just the, the bog standard, what did you say to the players? Which he actually, in hindsight looking, he kind of skipped that, which makes sense if he wasn't actually in the dressing room. Um but after that, the kind of the Portuguese journalists just submerged it because, understandably, they were very happy. So they were talking about you know sporting and oh, aren't they great and all this sort of stuff. And then the press conference ended because they had to go off on their flight, so we didn't really get to dig into it a little bit more than we wanted. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of where he goes with it now and what he's said since. Yeah, uh, so it's Leicester on Saturday, five thirty p.m. kickoff. Game is on. We finally had confirmation. Yep. 
of that, I think, earlier in the week, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, it's a big game for both clubs, obviously. Leicester at the bottom uh, of the league. They've not won this season yet. Tottenham, third in the table, had a one point off the top. Uh, so, big game. What we need from Spurs is it's not only three points. We need the performance after what happened in midweek. And, you know, I think a 90-minute performance would uh, be something that all fans are desperate to see. That would be very helpful. I mean, what you might be able to say about this, and some of us, the journalists out there, we were saying this, is maybe this was, you never want to lose, but maybe this was the right time to lose because it's come early on, especially in the Champions League group as well, but also in the season. Um, it's not something that affects the Premier League season. You can kind of come back in the group in the Champions League as well. Oh, actually, just before I, I have to leave the Champions League completely, Conte's stats, I was looking them up after the game. Um, for a man who has won so much in domestic football, these are his stats in the Champions League. He's won just eight of his past 28 Champions League matches. Um, and if you're going to go a bit more recent, he's only won four of the past 17 games in the Champions League which is crazy for a manager of his stature. Yes. Just just mad. So it's clearly an Achilles heel for him. He he won competition as a player, but as a manager, he's only once got to the quarterfinals with uh, Juventus back in, I think it was something like 2013. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. But back to the Premier League and Leicester. Um, yeah, they've got to be at it. They've got to show a response because presumably it'll be a full house again at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I think they will turn quite quickly if the football is a bit turgid in that first half. And, you know, you and I have both heard boos at halftime this season for an unbeaten team. Um, and, you know, suddenly everything becomes a bit different because, I don't know, let's say City can't get uh, three points at Wolves. Spurs are top <laughs> at the end of Saturday in the Premier League. And it just shows you how quickly kind of moods can change and everything. And, and yeah, of course, on paper our favourite expression, Leicester are there for the taking because they're having an absolute mare this season. They're, they're a team in real turmoil and a, and a club seemingly as well that are kind of struggling um, as well. So it's all there for Spurs to take advantage, but they've got to do that. Yeah, right. We'll leave that there for today's episode of Golden Guest Top Tottenham. It was early going to be a short one today. As I mentioned, we've got something very special lined up for Sunday, what we're going to record in a few minutes or so. So we'll leave that there. As ever, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus free threat protection plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.